Jewish Latin Princess, episode 114, Hanukkah bonus. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. I'm coming today to you with a Hanukkah bonus episode, a two-for-one actually, because I have two short but powerful messages that are relevant to this time of year in particular. And I know many of you asked me back in Elul, please send the Rosh Hashanah message. And I said, I'll try, I'll try. But yeah, that didn't happen. And I apologize. You know, it's very hard to create content, at least for me, Maybe it's the way my brain is wired. Um, It's hard to create content when I have so many other things going on, especially like all the practical things like shopping and cooking and the children and the household finances and producing this podcast, just things that are like do, do, do that don't allow for, um, I guess, the time to really delve deeply into a topic and create content. So writing and inspire and writing inspiring and well researched content is something that I have to do constantly because I publish in several media outlets. But fortunately, I have editorial due dates. So it has to get done. And that gives me that pressure. Um, because if I didn't have those those due dates, my creativity just wouldn't get pressed to the max, like I said, because of all the other pressing and truth be told, there are other important things also. But all that to say that the content would kind of stay like in my brain, but I never be pushed to like really put it out there in a cohesive way, in a coherent way, in a polished way, etc. But here we are, it's almost Hanukkah. And what do you know, I did manage to publish two pieces recently, which I want to bring to the podcast, because not only am I very proud of them, but really more importantly, because I think it's the type of message that you, my audience resonates with. Um, Last year, maybe it was the year before two years ago, I shared a Hanukkah message on the role of women in the story of Hanukkah. And I received a lot of direct messages and emails, I remember telling me how much you enjoyed it. And I was quite shocked. It was actually quite a surprise to me, because honestly, I didn't think anybody wanted to hear me just just by myself, like just when it came here to hear me solo, let's just say. But, um, but you seem to like it. So all that as an intro to talking about Hanukkah today, because, well, first of all, at this point, you're probably already or close to being ready for the holiday. And on my end, today I stocked up on the oil, the wicks, the candles, all the supplies that we need to light menorahs for my family of six come Sunday night. I also bought a box of par of chocolate gilt coins because we love those around here. And if you know me, you know that I don't enjoy milk chocolate. I'm a dark chocolate gal through and through. And the last stop that I made today during my errands, my many errands, was to the bank. Yep, every Arab Hanukkah, I go to the bank with a plan of how much money I want to take out of the bank and what type of bills I needed in 
needed the, the, the money specifically. And the reason is because this is the Hanukkah guilt that I will be giving my children. And with this in mind, I want to share a bit about this idea based on the latest article that I wrote for Chabad.org. You may know that I publish a financial column called Jewish Money Matters for Chabad.org's JewishWomen.org, which is the women-specific section of Chabad.org. And this month's column was all about Hanukkah guilt. And it's titled, The Best Gift You Can Give Your Children This Hanukkah, A Financial Education. Now, what does this have to do with Hanukkah specifically, a financial education, the gift? Let's explore this idea. And again, if you want to read the full article, just head over to Chabad.org and type my name and you'll find it right there amongst others. So the idea is like this. While we all look forward to Hanukkah, it's a a very special time of year, it also can represent a challenging time for parents, specifically when our children come to expect, or dare I say, demand presence. And very often we can catch ourselves against our better judgment and our promise never to utter our parents' oft-repeated words, say to our children, you're so lucky to be Jewish, you get gifts for eight days. Ever heard that? (laughs) Or ever said that? Hopefully, we can all agree that our kids are blessed to be Jewish for many reasons other than the possibility of eight days of presence, right? Though there's nothing wrong with gift giving all year round, the tradition on Hanukkah is actually not to give gifts, but rather to give guilt. And I don't mean the chocolate kind, although as I told you, we love that too. Gelt means money in Yiddish. And the Hanukkah custom is to give guilt to children. In our home and in many others, we give our children guilt every night of Hanukkah, and we increase the amount on the fifth night of Hanukkah as per the custom of the Chabad Rebbe's. Now the question is why? Why do we give guilt on the nights of Hanukkah? What is the difference between giving our children money or a bike, a scooter? Isn't that what the money would be used for anyway? Plus, we certainly don't want to embark on a shopping spree with the children at this time of year. I mean, I don't know where you live, but I can tell you, Houston, Texas, come Thanksgiving. I, I, you can't go anywhere. I just want to hibernate in my house. It's, it's, just, it's just a mad house everywhere, every store you go. But anyway, so I have a friend who related the following story. When his son was two years old, he took him to a Jewish doctor. And for whatever reason that I don't recall right now, during that visit, the doctor went through his pocket and he pulled out a dollar bill. Immediately, the child pointed to it and he said, tzedakah, tzedakah, charity. Later on, the doctor related to this parent the following. He said, since the day I saw that your child's concept of money is tzedakah, my entire view of money changed. Now talk about a financial education and who was teaching who. We give guilt on Hanukkah in order to teach our children about tzedakah, which is often translated as charity. But we know, we've discussed this, I think, in this podcast, (laughs) is better translated as righteousness or uprightness, justice. Moreover, Tzedakah is uniquely connected to the lesson of the holiday of Hanukkah. And this is an idea that a lot of people don't know. During the time that the land of Israel was under the dominion of the Syrian Greek Empire, Jews fought to preserve their commitment to the Torah as God's wisdom, specifically. And not just what the Greeks claimed, which is that it's 
just a text with great cultural, moral, and philosophical worth, which is also true. But more than that, it's God's wisdom, and that's why we follow it. A primary, a central message that the Torah introduced to our world, to this world, is that godliness is inseparable from the physical world. And now think about this for idea, for for a second. This idea that God, that godliness is inseparable from the physical world. If you think about money, money is the epitome of physicality. And as we all know, it can be absolutely self-serving. The connection of money to its source, to God, is so, so concealed that many of us easily assume that the money that we make is rightfully ours. It's like a natural conclusion because the connection to its source is so, so concealed. But the Torah teaches us to view money distinctly differently. Money is actually a clear, if not the clearest, example of the inseparability of the physical world from God its source. Not only is money not rightfully ours, and I'm saying that on air quotes, but God entrusts us with money to better his world in the ways that he prescribes. By giving tzedakah from our money, we reveal the godliness inherent in the money. Thus, we fulfill our mandate to reveal the essential unity of God and his world. And this is the mandate of every Jewish person in this universe. Therefore, on Hanukkah, we give guilt. Not because of the dollar bills per se, but like the story of the child and the doctor, because of what that money represents. After we give our children guilt, we immediately help them separate a minimum of 10% from the money and designate it to charity as mandated by Jewish law. Thus, our children learn from a very young age that money is elevated through the mitzvah of tzedakah. Or like my friend's child, that money's inherent purpose, its raison d'etre, is tzedakah. For added fun, we can play some math trivia with our kids in our home. We're very into this, um, with, uh, into the numerical value of words or gematriot. And we can show them that the gematria, the numerical value of the words neis Hanukkah, the miracle of Hanukkah, and the gematria of tzedakah are the same, 199, hinting at the spiritual connection between Hanukkah and tzedakah. And similarly, the word Hanukkah is connected to the Hebrew word for education, chinuch. So, ladies, if you're thinking of what to gift your children this season, in lieu of another toy or gadget, consider gelt, and with it, the gift of a Jewish financial education. So that's a practical idea that you can hopefully all implement in your homes in some way or another. And you, of course, have eight days to incorporate guilt giving to your Hanukkah traditions. And it's so great to see the kids not just figure out the math, but share with the family where they want to give their tzedakah to, etc. Now, the other idea that I wanted to share with you is one that is a bit more serious but that I've received incredible incredible feedback on this piece. This one I wrote for my monthly column on Houston's Jewish Herald Voice, Defining Jewish Women. And when the paper went to print this week, um, and then also I shared bits of the piece on Instagram and on Facebook, readers of the paper, as well as social media followers, had been, have been writing to me nonstop 
So I wanted to bring this profound and timely message to your attention as hopefully it can serve as inspiration for the holiday and some food for thought as we are the women and the foundation, the foundational figure of the home. I think this is something that will give us a lot to think about. And this piece is titled God Light, as in a question, God Light. And I begin with a story that is told, and it's a true story about a Hasid in Russia by the name of Reperetzhain. And for the purpose of this article, I actually left those details out and I just made it more succinct. But the story as told by Reperetz is of him and other Jews meeting secretly in a dark cellar in communist Russia and having what's called a Fabrengen. They were discussing um, uh, ideas of their service of God, ideas of Judaism, etc. And the candles were flickering until, of course, they expire and they were still singing Jewish melodies and, and discussing words of Torah, sharing, etc. And they didn't mind. They were in the dark, in the cold, didn't mind. Their light and their warmth were really just, they were all internal. Then there was a knock and another of their comrades, their friends, descends the cellar stairs. And he says, it's too dark in here. And the other ones say, just wait. Soon your eyes will get used to the darkness. And suddenly, Reb Peretz realized a most powerful and timely lesson. Getting used to the darkness. That's precisely the problem. That's the problem that we're all facing. Why am I telling you this story? After the anti-Semitic attack in Jersey City, in New Jersey, just a week ago, pretty much, someone at our Shabbat table questioned our families and others, other families, quote-unquote chutzpah, to be so openly Jewish. The black coat, the tzitzit hanging from the sides, the kippot, it's putting us all at risk by drawing too much attention to the fact that we're Jewish. That's what this person objected. In his estimation, by allowing my children to walk in the streets this way, not only was I putting our lives in danger, but that of other Jews as well. And besides, aren't we scared, he said. It's really puzzling to hear rhetoric rhetoric of a pre-Holocaust Germany in 2020 America, especially after everything that has happened since. But regardless, I kept thinking, how do I respond to this claim? Am I really putting my families and other Jews' lives in danger by living Jewishly, openly, and unapologetically? Are my children and I scared to live openly as Jews? And my response is simple. It all depends on how you define life. Now, let me tell you a story. In 1927, the 6th Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Schneerson, was arrested by the Jewish branch of the Soviet Communist Party, which was responsible for anti-Jewish activities. A very sad situation. But anyway, this branch of the Communist Party, um, made up of Jews, um, they were frustrated at the Rebbe's unwavering determination to continue his religious activities, which, as many of you might know, these activities really spread across the remotest parts of the country. The Rebbe was not derailed. Um, he wasn't scared by the communists. And during this arrest, one of the agents pointed a gun at him, at the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and said, this little toy has made many a man change his mind. The Lubavitcher Rebbe calmly replied, 
That toy can intimidate a man with two gods and one world. I, on the other hand, have one god and two worlds. In 1948, Golda Meir arrived at her country of birth as Israel's first ambassador to the Soviet Union. The visit coincided with Rosh Hashanah. Word got out that she would be in Moscow's Choral Synagogue on the Holy Day. Close to 50,000 Jews showed up. As she attempted to leave amidst the tumult and the fanfare, an older gentleman shouted, Goldenu, Leben sollst du, Golda, you shall live. Pardon my Yiddish, I really don't speak Yiddish. She was taken aback, and apparently, according to her her book, where she her memoir, she she thought and she finally blurted out in Yiddish, thank you for remaining Jews. And I'm not even going to attempt to say that in Yiddish, although I have it written down. But anyway, so she says to them that those were her words. Her words were, thank you for remaining Jews. This is what she's saying to the Jews in Russia in 1948. Ladies, if we are here today in 2020, it is not because there are those before us who died as Jews. Rather, it is because there are those before us who lived as Jews. And the question that I ask you is this one. We may be comfortable living as Americans, as French, as Germans, whatever we are. But are we as comfortable living as Jews? It's almost Hanukkah. And Hanukkah centers around lighting the menorah outside our homes or by the window, specifically making our light visible to the outside world. That is the Jewish law. The Jewish law is to light outside of the home or by the window so that it's actually visible from the outside. Moreover, the word Hanukkah, as I said earlier, is connected to the Hebrew word for education, chinuch. This year, ladies, let's listen to what the flames are trying to teach us, the flames of our Hanukkah menorah. They ask, have you gotten so used to this darkness that you think it's normal? Are you a beacon of light today in 2020 America or wherever you may be? Do you teach your children how to be a light or do you teach them to dim their light? The Hanukkah lights tell us, if you live your life being a light, giving over your light to the world, you will not live in the dark and the world around you won't either. So ladies, there you have it. Lots to think about and lots to implement this Hanukkah. I hope that your homes are filled with light this Hanukkah and that remember that it is with your inner light and that light that radiates from every Jewish home based on Jewish values that you will be able to influence our entire world until the day when the entire world will be completely, completely illuminated with godly light. Have a happy Hanukkah. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.